Hey, welcome to episode 36 of the Draft Champions podcast. I'm here with Toby at Batflip Crazy on Twitter. And um, you just recently got a new uh, YouTube channel, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, the YouTube channel is if you just search for Batflip Crazy on YouTube, uh, you should be able to find it. There's a few videos there. I'm starting to put uh, my podcasts on there as well. Um, at least the ones that I do with Bubba for now and probably all of them once the season gets starts and I'm creating a little bit more content. We should follow like, other, than, other than yourself on Twitter and then your podcast, of course, which I've, um, I think I'm caught up now. I think I've seen, I think I've listened to most of your episodes. You and Bubba, you and Bubba do a great job. Um, yeah, thanks. And um, we are, um, today we're going to talk about our Battle of the Podcast part two. Well, it's really part one because it got deleted by accident by the NFBC, which is all good. Um, actually, I think it was one of my worst drafts uh, that I felt that I felt, I probably felt the worst coming out of that draft out of all the drafts because we have such good competition. Um, um, as some, as whoever's listened to the podcast recently, I've just, we've just sort of gotten back into the swing of things. This is my fourth podcast in three days. So we had Mike the mouth and we had Matt Modica and then we had MLB moving average on just recently. They've all been released and now Toby. So we've got a stacked lineup and, um, it's funny because I was telling, talking a little bit to Mike the mouth and he's saying, Oh, uh, that's easy pickings because I guess we, we lost one. We lost one person out of the, our drafts. So we had to replace him last minute. We, so we took Mark Winoker from NFBC. He doesn't really have a podcast, but we needed to fill the spot. So Mike was, I don't know if he was joking. He's saying, Oh, of course he just took it because it's easy money. I'm like, no, no, it's not easy money. We have a lot of, there's a lot of good players. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, Mark's team is pretty good. Uh, I've been, I've been very jealous of his team as he's built it. So um you know, who, we'll who a, knows, but we'll it is a, definitely tough competition. There's a lot of really uh, good players in there. It should be, it should be a lot of fun too. It's a nice way to, to start off the, uh, the new season too, um, with a little bit of a, a fun, a fun league, a little bit lower stakes. So it's a good deal. Yeah. And we'll, let's, let's take a look at Mark's league in a second, but uh, first of all, um, like you said, you're on the clock. So we're right, right now we're in round 13 and you have I, picked five. I am on the, it's 13. And we're, and, we're, and we're back to back here. So I have a couple of people in my queue. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Lorenzo Kane right here. This is pick 185 for those who are listening. Uh, very exciting. I'm going with Lorenzo Kane. Add a little bit of speed uh, to my lineup. Some runs. Um, you know, the power is not strong, but I think one of the things that I like about Kane heading into this year, if you remember last year, you know, he was going around pick 40. Had a little bit of a rough season where he underperformed expectations last year. Did look a little bit better in the second half, but he also just underperformed from an expected metric standpoint. And while that's not necessarily predictive of what the future performance is going to be, a lot of the underlying metrics were exactly the same last year from what they were in previous years, if not actually better on some of the quality of contact metrics. So I expect at least a little bit of a rebound for Kane. And where he's going right now at pick 185, I just I, I like this pick a lot and what he does for my flexibility moving forward. Yeah, I find he's been he's been good value um, this year at where he's going. Um, I don't know where I forget where he was going last year, but he's going a lot later this year because of of course his performance. Yeah, I, last I think year. I got him in the in the late 30s, early 40s last year or mid 40s last wow, year. Wow, so. wow. So he's yeah. So he's um, is Adam Eaton still on the board? He's, Ooh, that that's who I was deciding between was uh, was Kane and Kane and Eaton. He is on the board still, yeah. Yeah, so I I find those guys are similar. Um, I I I can kind of sense an upside in with Eaton, and I I feel those guys have a similar profile to. Um, I group those. There's four guys that sort of group together. Those two, um, David Peralta and Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo more on the upside side. I think upside swing of those guys, but um, 
I think you're paying for the upside on, on Verdugo, whereas you're paying for sort of the, um, you're paying, a, you're paying, you get a little bit of bargain with um, Kane and Eaton. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think with Kane, I think there's a lot of guys, like you mentioned in this, in this area of the draft that are pretty similar from an outfield perspective. And so for me, like, since it's a DC, especially a draft champions, a draft and hold, like, you know, you're, you don't really have a second chance, right? You're not going to work the fat, the, the free agent wire to acquire, you know, whatever category you're missing, you have to go from your team. And so for that reason, like I already have Victor Robles and Oscar Mercado to serve as kind of a little bit of a foundation for me on my stolen bases. So adding Kane gives me three guys that are, that should give me a decent shot at, at double digit uh, stolen bases over the short season. So I like that. And they all should be, well, Mercado and Kane at least should be towards the top of the lineup. So they should get a lot of plate appearances. Actually, Mercado was one of the guys I was considering when I, you said I sniped you on Rosario. Mm-hmm. Um, when I took him, I was deciding between Rosario and Mercado. Yeah, those were the two guys that I was looking at too. So whoever didn't go was the guy I was going to go with. So we, were, we were very much on the same page there. Yeah. Um, no, I'm up actually. We're picking back to back here. And, um, I'm on the edge of my seat over here. Well, I hadn't. I'm sort of stuck up. I mean, I don't. I don't really have a guy I'm going to take. I just have a couple guys <laughs> in my queue. But I, well, I'll tell you one guy because I'll tell you one guy because I know if I don't take him, he won't come back to either of us. It's Luke Voigt because I know um, Johnny's going to take him. Isn't that one of the great things about drafting with people you who's uh, who you either drafted with before or you follow their stuff on Twitter? <laughs> oh yeah, I dropped, dropped you got you got to know. You're like, oh well. You get a little bit more precise on the percentage chance that a guy gets back to you at this point. Yeah, I know there's a zero percent chance he comes back to me. There's not a lot of first baseman left. Do you have a first baseman, Toby? Because I'm just I pretending. do. Freddie Freeman. Okay, so you kind of he fell to me a little bit. He did, and yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So you're um, so at least now that I've sort of um, opened up opened up to you about where, where my head's at. I don't think I think it's less likely you're going to grab one of the, one of the first basemen that, that are. Going to mm-hmm. I also have Yuli Gurriel too, so I got right. yeah, a little bit of backup there. So I might be able to let uh, first base slide to next time, um, and I am going to go with another. I'll just keep on the theme of uh, value, and we can talk about this. Is Scott Kingery? Ooh, Scott Kingery. Because you're not worried at all by the COVID, the positive COVID test. Well, it, or, I, or I guess we're assuming, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that he he's he's either has it or he's been in contact with someone who has it, right? So I took also Hector Neris, just guess, spoiler spoiling uh, spoiler for what when we talk about our teams, but I got Neris uh, at pick. What was it? Like in the 150s, I think. Chuck Scott Kingery at 186. So both of those players fell quite a bit because of the recent news, but I. I'm kind of thinking that maybe it's a better, um, maybe it's a better thing that they've got it already. Sort of like um, I don't know if you play football already, but Zeke Zeke Elliott already has COVID, so he's not going to get it again. So you don't really risk him missing any of the season. So he's sort of a safe pick. Yeah, although I mean, we're all at this point just kind of um, hoping that that's the case. I think there isn't really anything to, uh, you know, there's nothing medically research-wise. I think that's pointed to that. There's actually some some idea that it could be a short, very short-lived immunity that people get. So it could be for sure, but um, I don't know. I guess we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants when it comes to that. Yeah, you don't know. And actually, before we get into the draft, I think we've got to address one, that one main thing, that just that one main piece of news that came out, which is Mike Trout. Hmm. That, that, happened, that happened after, well, well, when we were into the draft. There, I don't know if you saw the news that Mike Trout on Roto World said that he was considering sitting up yeah. the season, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure I saw you that, see it. yeah. So he went third overall in our draft um, to Chris Towers, 
And uh, that was before the news, well, the news came out, but people were speculating it or, uh, about it already, but then he did tweet out when and where. So I figured, okay, this guy's probably going to be playing. What do you, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Like I, I, um, Curlin asked a question on uh, Twitter. He said, when would you take him? I'm like, I, I'm not using a first round pick on him at this point, no matter where I am in the first round. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think I'm probably in a pretty similar place. You know, generally, as you know, I like to go with starting pitchers early on. You know, I think there is, there's a couple guys that interest me in particular in the first round though, who are hitters, but Trout isn't necessarily one of them. He just kind of, um, I think number one, there's the, there's the issue that he's probably going to miss at least a few games because of the, because uh, he's expecting a child, which is awesome for him and his family, you know, and then we also don't know, you know, beyond that, like, is there any type of, um, it doesn't sound like there's going to be any type of quarantine, but again, we don't know how long he's going to miss. And in a shortened season that takes away from it. And I think the one skill, like, obviously he's, he's great all around. He's fantastic. He's wonderful. It's hard to find any holes you know, maybe speed is the one area where, you know, um, where he might need not be as strong as some of the other guys going in the first round. And that's really where I kind of like to hone in a little bit. So this is not to say that Mike Trout isn't worth going for a first rounder if, you know, if, if you're willing to take that risk. But for me, he's just not, hasn't really been on my radar a lot. If I'm drafting towards the top end, you know, I'm probably going Cole DeGrom, if I'm drafting towards the back end, I'm probably going with a starting pitcher. I really do like Trey Turner a lot um, this year. I just think he's a very uh, with that with them going against the NL East. I call NL the NL East like the stolen base division, just because you're going against the Mets. Syndergaard's uh, out. Against, Syndergaard's out. Uh, Syndergaard is out, but the Mets still, as a whole, are very bad at keeping runners. Uh, the Braves are also pretty bad at keeping runners, or they have been, you know, the past year. So. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of like a Turner a little bit there just because the speed is so um, elite. And I think that gives you a little bit more flexibility down the road. But um, yeah, so that's a long way of saying I'm not, I can totally understand where Trout's coming from, whatever he decides. You know, I mean, I, some of the quotes, I know some of the quotes were pretty powerful that he had. I don't have them in front of me, but just talking about like, he's expecting a child, you know, his top priority needs to be his family. It needs to be um, his wife's health, his, uh, his uh, newborn's health, and he has to make his decision with that in mind. And it's really hard to fault the guy for um, putting his family first. So I don't know how you're, you're outside the first round for him. Ben. Yeah, I, th- I think um, – I, I don't think I'd be able to use a first-round pick on him just given the, given the risk. And you, like you said, you're, you know he's already missing at least some time and maybe he's missing anywhere between three and like 60 games. So yeah. – but I, I, on, the, on the other hand, I don't think I'd be able to pass him up given his upside in the second round. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, we should have some more clarity later on when, when um, you know, a lot of the, the bigger drafts are happening. But it should be, um, yeah, it, it's tough to do it right now. But again, like, it's one of those picks where if you do get him later on, it could be the type of pick that helps you win that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into the teams, I just wanted to uh, give a synopsis of what the actual battle of draft champions is. It's um, it's hosted by the NFBC. Um, We uh, created this league that just um, had all the podcasts and this will determine obviously which is the best podcast. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like that people like your podcast. This is, this is what matters. This, this is like, if I win this, I can claim that my podcast is better than yours. 
Absolutely. <laughs> throw uh, the uh, throw the baseball pods uh, bracket out. The oh yeah, window. yeah. This forget is... it. For, forget about that. I was knocked out in the first round. Yeah. So it's a 15 team draft and hold. So 50 players, no fab, um, uh, no fab drafting. The folks who are uh, in it um, are um, uh, Ralph Lifshitz, um, John um, at Moving uh, Moving Averages Graphs at Moving Average Graphs. MLB, um, MLB moving averages. MLB moving averages. Uh, Drew Morris, um, who is a Common Sense Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, Mark Winokur, who was a late addition. Um, we had somebody who wasn't able to do it. Uh, we had drafted actually back in, I think, late February, early March. We had finished up a, a draft, but um, we decided to redraft or the, or the league was lost. Uh, Michael Simeone from SP, it was SP Streamer. Um, uh, last name is Faye. I think it's Donkey Teeth. Um, yeah, from Rasball. Yeah, from Rasball. Ray Butler, Prospects C365. Speaking of baseball pods, uh, baseball pods, Chris is in there. Um, and I believe it's, uh, it's Craig McGee, right? Yes, it's Craig McGee. He's, um, Draft Champions. Draft Champions. Uh, Zach from Jazz Draft Champions. Um, uh, Scott Chu from, uh, Pitcher List. And then did I, and then my thing is gone. Let me get everybody on here. All right. Chris Towers from CBS, Eric Cross from Fantract, and Mike Curland from God knows how many podcasts Mike has right now, but uh, from uh, Bases Loaded and, and uh, SB Streamer. Just, just, and just say Mike Curland from, from, Mike Curlin from the internet. From the internet. There yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> He's so and much. myself. Yeah. So those are the, those are the 15 folks. So some pretty good representation, representation from podcasts across the fantasy industry. And again, the winner, winner takes all winner is the best podcast in fantasy baseball history. There's also some, there's also some cash. So I think we were paying out first and second place. Yeah. 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 I think it's like a hundred dollar buy-in something like that. Yeah. Something, something in that range. Um, all right. So let's, um, well, we, before we get into your team, you alluded to that you're a little, maybe a little bit jealous of Mark Winoker's team because he did start off with a, an interesting strategy in the first two rounds. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Interesting strategy. strategy. It's a, it's a great strategy. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So he, 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 he took uh, Scherzer and Clevenger at, in the 12, in the 12 hole. Yeah. Which I actually think, I mean, I actually, I, I drafted Cole at five. And I was hoping that like Shane Bieber would get back to me for the second round. Um, he was going in drafts like around, I think his ADP prior to the restart was like 26, 27. And I was drafting 26. So I was hoping that he was going to get back there to me, but obviously pitching got pushed up a little bit and Bieber in particular with the, uh, with the scheduling just as it is. Um, so he went Scherzer Clevenger, which I think is an absolutely fantastic way to start a draft. I mean, the pocket aces right there is, is, is really nice. And I, I think, you know, Scherzer was the number two, I think with some concerns around Bueller's workload, the Dodgers seems like are going to be pretty conservative with their starters. Scherzer seems like a potential number, number him and Verlander may be competing for that number three spot overall. So you, I know, I know before you said you were in on Bueller as your number three, potentially like, like before the stoppage, but now that's, that's, that's changed for you. Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think it's so difficult right now because we're working with such uncertain information. I think as, as the off season or as uh, summer training 
progresses, I think I'll have a better sense. Right now, I'd, I'd push him back a little bit just because it sounds like he is going to be, um, you know, it sounds like they're going to be pretty slow, the Dodgers, in, in working their starters, which doesn't necessarily bode well for my third-round pick of Clayton Kershaw. But I'll just want to monitor that um, and just see, see what maybe we can an- anticipate there. I think Bueller should be fantastic when he does pitch. I think, he, I think he's awesome. I think he has a next level as well. And, you know, I think the NL West is the best to d- division to be in as long as you're on the Dodgers because you get, you know, pr- three, four pretty meh at best offenses. Like the Giants are bad. The Padres are kind of meh. And then – the Rockies, you know, in cores are tough, but on the road, they're awful uh, offensively. And then I think the, the, the D-backs are probably the second best offense in that, in that division. And so, you know, I do like how Bueller, how it lines up for Bueller. And then I also think the AL East is a little overrated from a hitting perspective. I think the Yankees are really great, but the Red Sox just don't have the same depth that they've, that they've had in a while. So I do like Bueller's, um, or actually that's the East. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, I kind of like Bueller. I'll stop talking now. Yeah, I think, uh, but I agree with that. I think the Boston Red Sox are going to be in, in trouble this year quite a bit. And I think mm-hmm. the Yankees are good. And I was saying, I don't want to repeat myself too much because we've had a lot of podcasts recently. I think I've said this three times in a row on three podcasts, but I think the the Yankees and the Rays are going to just beat up on the pitching in the East. I think the Red Sox pitching staff is really underrated in terms of how bad it is or how bad it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Totally. Yeah, totally. And I mean, Eduardo um, Rodriguez as well. He's one of the guys who um, he hasn't reported. yet. He hasn't reported yet. And while they they haven't indicated that he has tested positive for COVID, it sounds like he is in in he's living with somebody who is currently sick. Who And I think they're waiting on the test results for. So, um, again, like there's just so much uncertainty at this point in the season. But I agree. I mean, the, the Red Sox offense is essentially it starts out with Benintendi, right? Who's fine. He's not like the best leadoff hitter in the world, but he's fine. Uh, and then you have, you know, um, Devers and Bogarts and JD Martinez. But after that, I mean, the, the fifth hitter in their lineup, at least against righties is Mitch Moreland, at least according to roster resource, you know, and so there's no really awful hitters necessarily in their lineup, but they just don't have the depth. It's amazing when you take out a guy of Mookie Betts's quality and you go from four elite hitters to three, you know, I think it really has an impact on the on the lineup. Um, so I'm not as frightened about the Red Sox offense this year as previous offense uh, previous years. Another thing I said. Another thing I said to um, another thing I said today to John was, um, if I can avoid someone in the first two rounds, I don't want to take anyone on a really really bad team that's a hitter because, like, for example, I use uh, JD Martinez as, a, as an example. If say the Red Sox are 20 and 30, which I think might be um, uh, nice, might, might, might be kind at that point uh, with 10 games left and he's a little banged up and that he would normally play uh, with an injury, like a, maybe like a sore ankle or something. He probably like, he's going to say, screw it. I'm not going to play. Um, so anyone, any hitter on a bad team, like it might be like a tiebreaker for me. Um, like mm-hmm. for example, JD and, and uh, Rendon. So like that would be easy for me to take Rendon now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so hard. It's so hard to know. I think. Yeah. It's just, be... it's, it's sort of like what you're saying. It's, it's just so much uncertainty right now. Yeah. Like how, how things will get played out. But before we get into your team, let's just, let's just go through the rest of Mark's team. Do you want to run okay. through it? Do you want to, do you want to just yeah. run through it and get your, uh, give me your thoughts on Mark's team? Because you said you, you liked his team. 
Yeah, definitely. So he started out with Scherzer and Clevenger. Uh, his third pick was Javi Baez, um, which I'm not, I'm not great at the, um, at knowing exactly what pick it is, but I think it was like pick, what would that be? 42, I want to say. So with pick 42, he got Baez. Uh, then with pick um, 49, he got Jordan Alvarez, who again is another guy who has not, um, we found out today, hasn't reported to camp yet. Um, he then took Tommy Pham after that. So he's got two five category contributors there in addition to those two elite starting pitchers, um, which really, and those starting pitchers really give you everything, right? Scherzer and Clevenger. Um, so although Pham, it's reported, he has now tested positive for COVID-19. So, you know, again, he's, it sounds like he's asymptomatic, but you never know what, the, what that does to your body. And then after that, he had Tim Anderson. And so all of those guys are just real big targets for me. I mean, Baez getting him after pick 40, you know, yeah, he did not do, do what he did in 2018 and 2019, but he's still a solid all-around five-category contributor. Tim Anderson, I love Tim Anderson. I love um, – I just think he's improving as a hitter. He's still really young. He's really fast. He generally – well, I don't – I hate to say things like this, but he generally starts off quickly. Um, again, like there's, it's not a large enough sample size, but that's something that he's done, I think in two consecutive years now. So maybe that's a thing for him. Um, Liam Hendricks after that. So an elite reliever there. And this is one thing where I think my mind is changing a little bit with the shortened season is that traditionally I would wait a long time on closers. Like I'd probably get my first closer and maybe around 11 or 12, but you know, just with the shortened season, um, you know, and, and not as much time to pick, to either get lucky or pick up that right guy off the free agent wire. I do think investing in saves a little bit earlier makes some sense. So the Hendricks pick, I think like Araldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, uh, and Kenley Jansen, I think are, are decent targets for me just cause they're on, you know, good teams who should win a decent amount of games. And they're also really good pitchers. So he went Liam Hendricks. Um, so that was like the start. He also added Schwarber and Carlos Santana. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. So yeah, I, I really liked the the team that he put together. And it was funny because, you know, he posted something about li liking my team. And I was like, Hey man, I I'll trade you my team, our teams right now. Cause I really like what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. We've just kind of gone back and forth. So it's I a mean, lot of fun just to see the way the similarities and the differences in the way that people pick their teams. And, and what I always find interesting is that a lot of people might start with a similar strategy, but I think then as you get deeper into the draft, you can kind of see where the valuations change a little bit um, and where people have them. So. Right. I think, I think you nailed it with the closures because I want to get closures on good team. Now it's changed for me. I want, I, I want to get it a bit earlier and I want closures on good teams and I want closures that have the job initially. Like at, like at first I wasn't touching Kimbrell, but now like he's going to get the first crack of the job. He might not be great anymore, but at least you're going to have someone that's going to have that shot at saves. So even, even him and like Wade Davis moves up for me too. Yeah, totally. So let's go, let's, let's go into your team. Uh, take yeah. me through your team. Um, after um, we've, we've gone through, uh, we've gone through marks and yeah, I agree. I, I like his team a lot as well. Uh, but, um, and I agree with what you said, like again, on the closers, but let's uh, take me through yours. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, for my KDS, I put five, uh, as my KDS, when I was going into this, I was kind of thinking, all right, I'll take Cole, DeGrom, and if those two go, I might try something new. This is my first draft that I'm doing uh, as the new season has taken place. 
And so a lot of it for me, like, well, I'm obviously trying very hard. It's also just to get back. I think once, you know, I had done, I think like nine DCs, nine draft champions earlier in the year. And so I had a real nice sense of the player pool, you know, uh, where guys were going in drafts. If I missed out on certain guys who I would get to, that, that have kind of certain qual uh, similar qualities to them. So I was kind of locked in at that point. And so now I'm just kind of trying to get back in that and, and trying to reassess like, okay, here are the decision points that I have kind of going through my decision, decision tree at different points. So I put in a KDS of five. I was looking for Garrett Cole would have been ideal situation. Jacob deGrom number two, but I thought that maybe guys might go a little bit earlier. Like I knew that uh, John had mentioned that, that deGrom is his number one player overall. So I was figuring if he was in front of me, then the chances of getting one of those two aces might be a little diminished. Um, so, and if I had missed out on those two, I was going to go with Trey Turner because I do really like, I just think that his skill set in this shortened season is going to be particularly helpful. Uh, so that was kind of what I was thinking at five. I ended up getting Garrett Cole, which I was really happy about coming back around. This is normally a place where I would go for some speed in a hitter or my pocket aces strategy. And Freddie Freeman fell all the way to pick 26. And I don't have any Freeman, I don't have any, I haven't drafted Freeman before. Um, and so I just felt like a good pick. First base is a little bit thin. He doesn't have the speed, but he has that. You can just count on him for everything else. I feel very confident about him as a hitter. He's in a great spot in the lineup. He's got pretty much everything going for him. So I felt pretty good about doing that because really what I was considering at this point with, when, with who went before was whether I wanted Clayton Kershaw or Lucas Giolito with my next pick. And I figured that one of those two would be back, who would be there as I got to pick three. And that's when I got um, – and so then I, I, I had my decision of the two, Clayton Kershaw and Lucas Giolito. And Giolito, I like him for the strikeouts. You know, I think that he showed some just amazing skills towards the end of the year. He's in the ascendancy, but he also still has a smaller sample of success um, than Kershaw does. And with Cole already bringing me the Ks, already giving me the elite ratios. I decided to focus a little bit more on the ratios, which I feel confident about Kershaw in. Got the velocity uptick. He actually increased his strikeout second half of last year um, as well. And he's just such a smart pitcher. He's going to find a way, I think, to be successful. And then he's got a good division set up, um, I think. Like if the Dodgers start off like they have in previous seasons with the Giants, you know, you, you could be getting like one or, or two starts against the Giants in that first month of the season, which would be uh, absolutely fantastic. So I went Kershaw over G Giolito. I also didn't have any shares of Kershaw on any other teams. And so I thought it would be kind of interesting to mix it up. Um, and I'll just keep going through. Let me know. If yeah, you yeah, keep, yeah, just keep, yeah, just keep going. Um, okay. It's great. Cool, cool. Yeah. So coming back around, um, I was hoping to get Yohan Mankata. Uh, that was kind of the guy that I had my eyes on there um, at pick. Uh, again, I'm, t I'm awful with these, with the picks, but it's uh, 56. So with pick 56, I was, um, uh, or 50, 56, yeah, 56, I was hoping to get uh, Yohan Mankata was my number one. Uh, well, actually, JT Realmuto was my number one. I didn't think he'd get back to me. That's another guy that I would traditionally, like, in the second round, if I had gone Kershaw right there, I probably would have gone Realmuto maybe in the third round. But um, uh, coming around, so Realmuto went earlier, Yohan Mankata went a couple picks before me, and so the guy that I wanted was Victor Robles. I know people are either sky high on Robles or sky low on Robles. I just think the profile is really nice. I mean, the stolen bases are there. He's a young guy. He's got the pedigree. He should improve. I think the 
failures of his exit velocity um, are highly overrated. Like he does, he's not, everybody compares him to like Billy Hamilton or somebody like that. But the thing about Robles is, is his max exit velocity is actually 114 miles per hour. So his, the barrel accuracy, like his ability to make contact is still not quite there, but he can hit the ball a really long way when he makes contact. And so for, the, for that reason, I think the power is still pretty legit. Derek Cardi had a great kind of exit velocity stat cast based analysis on his Twitter feed about Robles, which kind of, uh, reinforced a lot of what my thinking was around him so I just love what he's doing and then also without the the pitcher being there batting ninth Robles should be able to steal you know whenever he wants to and he's also in the NL East which I think is a really good division to steal in and so I feel really good about kind of I've got that batting average the home runs the runs and RBIs from Freeman and now with Robles I've got a really solid foundation in all five of the categories and I'm not relying on getting speed from a guy who isn't contributing in other areas Coming back around, uh, DJ LeMayhew is a guy that I really like a lot, especially this year, uh, because of the positional flexibility. He gives you being able to plug him in at first, second, or third, gives you so much flexibility as you try to build the best lineup week to week, which I think is going to be critical. So getting LeMayhew there, top of the Yankees lineup, I think the AL East is the best hitting division to be in, especially if you're on the Yankees. Yep. Red Sox suck, Blue Jays suck, Orioles suck. Who am I missing? Rays have very good pitching. So essentially like for every, you know, 75% of the time in your division, you're going to go up against a team that really doesn't have very good pitching. It's like that quote, 60% of the time it works every time. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing about LeMahieu, like I looked at his 60 game rolling averages, his lowest 60 game rolling average over the last three years for batting average was hitting 259. Right. So yes, the chance is that he could have a lower batting average, but with the skill set that he has super high contact, all fields approach, even heavily opposite field approach, um, playing every single day in that lineup. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be fantastic. So I got him there. Um, and then coming around, this is where you started sniping me. Um, so coming back around, my hope was, you know, in a dream world, Tim Anderson gets back to me and I get him. That wasn't going to happen because Mark, Mark grabbed him. So coming back around, Josh Donaldson was kind of the apple of my eye at this point. Depending on the projection system that you use, my valuations, the divisions really bump up uh, Donaldson a lot. Uh, he was the 54th most valuable player when I was using the steamer projections. I think ATC has him around like 75 or something like that. But he's gotten at least a 10-spot bump uh, because of the divisional arrangement. Um, oh. and, and so I really like him a lot there. You grabbed him the pick before me. And so I went with Araldis Ch- Chapman again, really trying to lock in those saves as much as possible. A guy who has the job, um, a guy who's had the job for a while. And even though the velo is down, which concerned me a lot heading into last year, he was still incredibly effective. He hasn't had a whip above like one, one, four, I think in, you know, forever his era hasn't been above like two eight you know his for a while so i feel pretty good as good as i can feel about drafting a closer here and then with the yankees i think he gets a lot of opportunities um coming back around um i got eddie rosario he was the guy that i wanted based on who was left on the board again you know heart of the order twins fantastic lineup gonna score a bunch of runs he's a little bit up and down for me 
Um, you know, just because of the, the, um, the profiles, chases pitches outside the zone a ton, but still makes a lot of contact, decent batting average, um, which I think is really helpful to get. I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about punting batting average, but I think it's like any other category, right? It's like you take the information that's at your disposal, you take the 50th percentile projection, and you assume that the most likely outcome is somewhere around there. It's just that the error bars are a little bigger. Um, but the more guys you draft that have an average ceiling, the more likely it is that you are going to end up with that good batting average, right? So getting Rosario there, I felt pretty good, you know, pick 95, I think. So I felt really good about that one. Coming back around, um, I was looking at either uh, Ahmed Rosario or Oscar Mercado. I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to Chris. He snagged Jorge Polanco, who I also really like. I was actually hoping to get Polanco in that kind of 140 to 150 range, but this was in the uh, the 116 range, I think. Like one. Really liking range. the Twins. I guess you're you're, you're thinking the Twins got a big bump, like the divisional bunch bump because you're. Yeah, talking. I mean, I think top of the lineup for the Twins. Like you just think about it. Like Polanco is is an excellent hitter. He showed that last year. Um, he's in a great lineup. He's at the top of the lineup, so he's going to get a lot of plate appearances. He's got the profile to be consistent, high contact, good plate discipline. And he was hit injured last year, right? He fell off second half, but we know that he had ankle surgery over the offseason. Plenty of time to rest that and recuperate. So, yeah, I do like Polanco a lot. Um, next up, and, and, and again, uh, I'm just kind of I'm, – I'm blowing through this. I was, either, I was between Oscar Mercado and Ahmed Rosario. So was I. <laughs> yeah, and we were both in the same place. And for me, I actually had Rosario ahead. Um, you know, number one, I just think that the batting average is a little bit more solid with Rosario. He's had his two plus years in the majors now. And I think we're seeing that he's becoming kind of the hitter that people thought he might become. Uh, the stolen bases, I think, are a little bit better than Mercado, even though Rosario isn't great at stealing bases. And Rosario also steals a ton more bases when he wasn't in the eighth spot. So with the pitcher out of the way, you know, you're not going to have him bunting him over anymore. I think those stolen bases could be really nice. I think he's pretty similar to Tim Anderson, actually. Anderson with a little bit more power, obviously. But then Mercado is a guy I like a lot. He was improving across the board as the season progressed last year. So whereas a lot of guys kind of come up, they start out hot, um, and then they kind of sink performance-wise, you know, skills-wise, Mercado's uh, plate discipline was improving. His contact skills were improving. His hard hit rate was improving. He was hitting the ball in the air more. So I just really like that. And then batting either first or second, probably second in that lineup should be a good opportunity to score a lot of runs, drive in a decent amount of runs as well. Um, so I just really like Mercado as well. I think he's, he's kind of, uh, he's underrated, a guy who seems to be falling a little bit. And I say that with like, having looked at like three or four drafts so far. Um, oh, there's Ryan. I was going to say Ray McMahon. Of course he gets Ryan McMahon. He's, yeah. He's and, big, he, and he uh, took, and he took, um, Christian Walker went before him. So my first yeah. base, my, my corner infielders are running thin. Yeah. I was thinking about getting McMahon there. I knew he wasn't going to get back because I know Ray is super high on him. Um, yeah. So I went Mercado and then coming back around, I got Wilson Contreras. Um, I'd say after JT Real Muto and Gary Sanchez, I think, Contreras is a guy who I think could have a really nice season. You know, he's got a solid foundation. He had that really poor 2018, but I think a lot of that, it seems like, was injury now that we've seen him have another good season. So he's pretty good, and that Cubs uh, lineup is pretty shallow. And so I actually could see him getting some, uh, some rotation in the DH spot. 
I haven't seen that in the news at all, but I do know that he's a better hitter than, you know, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Alberto, um, why am I, why am I, why am I blanking on his name? Now I'm going to have to look it up, but like, he's better than Steven Souza is for instance. So yeah, let me go to over to roster resource. So I don't mess up the name. Al- yeah. I, I'm blanking too. Al- Albert Almora. Thank oh, you. Okay. I knew I was, I was mixing them up. So Albert Almora is in center field, you know, um, Schwarber at DH. So, you know, I guess it depends, but like I can definitely see, you know, Schwarber going to the outfield and having uh, Contreras there. Cause he's better than Almora. You know, he's better than so many other hitters. Right. Um, especially towards the back end there. Oh yeah. So I can that's definitely a, see. Interesting that. thought. Yeah. And I mean, and that's a way to get a bat in the, is bat in the lineup because Victor Caratini is a pretty good, at least offensive backup, you know, and so just kind of rotating in. So again, that's, there's nothing that's telling me that that's going to happen. I just think so. And then also being in the central isn't a bad place, right? Just because, you know, in the NL, like everybody's just kind of the same and they're fine. And then in the AL, they're not too good and you get to go up against them, uh, that pitching staff a little bit more. Um, So I do like him a lot this year. And then I needed a little bit of power, just having gone with some speed guys with Mercado, you know, with Robles and then LeMayhew. Nobody was really a power guy except for Rosario and Freeman. So I went with Paul DeYoung, who I think is very underrated this year. Again, he's going to hit towards the top of the lineup. He's going to play every day. He's been improving his uh, plate skills every year, hitting the ball harder, uh, chasing less, making more contact. And I think last year he had the lowest batting average, even though his K rate was its lowest um, and his contact rate was its highest. And so I actually think he should take at least a little bit of a step back to the 250 range from a batting average perspective. Power is going to be there with even a little bit of speed too. Um, so I ended up going with DeYoung there. I got my second closer, which I don't love, but closers are getting pushed way up. I was hoping uh, that my boy um, Hansel Robles was going to make it, but he went way earlier. So I went with uh, Keone Kella. It was between Kella, I think, and Melanson. Uh, Melanson may be getting more opportunities, Kella being a better pitcher. And Kella's never really been a bad pitcher in the majors. And so that gives me a little bit of confidence, as does the fact that Shelton has said, He's the closer. We're going with him, you know, 100% of the time. Uh, or not 100% of the time, but, you know, like, this is clearly our closer. Then I was really pleased coming back around. Yuli Gurriel was actually the offensive bat that I was considering getting there in round 11. I got him in round 12. So that's pick, what, like 176, I think. Um, and I love that. First base, third base eligibility. He gives me a little bit of flexibility. Makes a ton of contact. Always has a good batting average. He's going to hit, like, four or five in that lineup, uh, which is going to mean that RBIs are going to be plentiful, which is another area I needed to improve. I do believe in some of the power gains, the ground ball rate went down. Um, and, and so, and he puts a ton of balls in play. So the volume overall of five balls is going to be a lot. Um, and so I really like that. And then obviously I picked up Kane. So that was my guy. So my roster is pretty balanced. I'd say strengths, batting average right now I'm projected you know, if I can keep getting the guys that I want to in future rounds, which are a lot of them to ruin my strategy are not big, uh, big batting average guys, then I'm still at a 267 batting average for my team, which is right around 80th percentile. Um, I'm above 90% toward 80th percentile in runs, RBI and stolen bases. And then I'm right around 90th percentile in home runs. I know home runs is a weakness on my team right now, but that's the one category again, that I don't mind being behind on. 
especially in a shorter season where I'm really planning to churn the back end of my roster and really kind of go for some high upside power bats um, with some of my later picks. I think that's the one thing that's available late as long as you've kind of kind of boosted that batting average to start off with. That's my team. Yep. You said that's uh, you see, yeah, you mentioned the home runs um, before when we talked earlier and that's, I think I still agree in, in a short season and uh, I like your team obviously because I think me and you were like, um, like sort of like going neck and neck on our picks because we are picking back to back and a lot of the picks that you picked, I would have picked. And like, even, even, even when you say I sniped you on Donaldson, Chapman was the, like what the other guy I was considering. And then same thing with Mercado. Um, and I like Kella uh, as, a, as especially as your second closer. And I think um, I, yeah, I think you have a really solid uh, uh, team and um, you um, really focused on batting average. I think um, from what I see here, batting average and speed, you're really, really strong on. So picking, I was picking in the six hole right next to you and I won't spend too much time on my team, but um, I got bats at the, at the number six uh, player. Um, unlike you, I don't, I don't typically go pitcher in the, in the first round, but bats, I, I bats is my number three player now uh, on the board, given the short season. Um, so I took him first and then I uh, picked uh, two point, uh, well, uh, I think it was 2.10 uh, or 2.9. I took Ozzy Albies. I reached on him a little bit, but. Um, I, I but, like Albies a lot. I think yeah, so do I. I, I. I like him. So I took him because those second basements dry, dry up quickly. Third third round. Um, I was, I was planning on taking a starting pitcher in the third round. Um, um Castillo was available, who's my boy, but I ended up taking Austin Meadows because, yeah, just he, he fell. And he doesn't usually fall that far. And, he, like, bets, Albies, Meadows, it gives me such a – the tick of five – like, all of those are five-category players. Like, granted, they're not going to steal you. They're not going to be Trey Turner, but they're they're going to get you. They're all potential 25 mm-hmm. home run players with 10 stolen bases at least. So, it's good, um, which which caused my pitching to suffer a little bit. I took Glasnow in the fourth round as my SP1. Not – crazy about that but the rest of my pitching staff um uh, in not around nine and ten i took lamette and urias as my other two starting pitchers so far all sort of the same family of pitchers like high k's um urias is urias and glasner hopefully get me some good ratios but um i think on focusing on the pitchers if, if you're getting a guy like lamette and urias and you're saying let's just say they go five and you're compared to like a Hendricks who goes seven. I'm like, I think those K I think he's in like, there's an equal chance of wins potent like in theory, and they're going to get you at least as many K's in five as, as like other pitchers in this area will get you in seven. So guys like you're even like Barrios who gives you like a one K per nine. Like if you take Lamette and Glasnow together, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to equal your strikeouts in, I guess, um, 80% of the innings that, that are thrown. So overall, I'm not like, I think starting pitching is my weakness. Um, but in round five and six, I got Brian and Donaldson, two third basemen, but Bryant can go in the outfield as well with that eligibility. So I, I kept on the theme of um, like my bets, Albies, Meadows, Bryant, like those are going to get a lot of runs. Good. Like no one's going to hurt my average. And then after that, you said, you already alluded, alluded to this. I took Donaldson who he might hurt your average, but probably, probably not. Hopefully not in that division. Um, and then uh, round seven, I took my first closer. I don't usually take closers this early as well, or I try not to, but I took Osuna, Roberto Osuna, my first share of him in like two years, because being from Toronto, I knew what happened with him and the, the history where he got suspended. And I know there is a video, or I speculate there's a video out there that may or may not be released, but I'm thinking, hey, like, what are the odds it's going to come out in these next two months? So I, I grabbed him up 
And then in round eight, I took Ahmed Rosario. I've uh, spoken about him quite a bit, so I'll pass over him. And then in nine and 10, like I said, I took Lamette and Urias because I, I had no other starting pitchers except for Glasnow at that point. And then um, round 11 uh, and 13, I'll talk about that together. But round 12, I took my third closer, Joe Jimenez, which he was sort of left over at pick like one, almost 180. Which closers, closers ended up lasting longer than I expected, given the, the recent drafts that I've been in, just in this particular league. But round 11 and 13, I took Naris and King. I'm thinking that maybe there's going to be some overreaction like right now initially in these drafts to not to sort of steer clear of them when um, – Really, there's nothing to be afraid of. So that's my that's my team so far. Cool, sounds good. And um, and so I'm I'm just curious, like with your team, because obviously, you know, I started pitchers early. I have I think I have four total pitchers, and you're looking at six already. How are you feeling, like offensively? I think you started out like those three picks, like Betts, Albies, Meadows. If you're going to start off with three hitters. I mean, that's a pretty spectacular way to start. Are you still feeling pretty good about the, the hitting foundation you've created? I am. I am feeling confident about my hitters and I still have, I'm still, I'm feeling the worst about my pit starting pitching still just glass mm-hmm. number in your eyes because you know, I don't know, just like, it's very, very much, uh, very much a risky staff so far, but my hitting, the only thing I'm sort of worried about is first base right now because I don't have a first baseman. Um, normally I have Sano, which I don't, that's, that's going to have first base eligibility uh, by the weekend of uh, the first uh, week. But um, yeah, so I'm looking, I'm sort of biting my nails here with the with first base because we, after I took um, Kingery, um, Christian Walker was taken and McMahon was taken and McMahon might get some run at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really the only thing. Like from a, from a stats perspective, I'm okay. But from a positional perspective, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about filling out these positions. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of interesting just because like, <clears throat> like I have Cole and Kershaw, but those are my only two starting pitchers at this point and we're in round... 14, like I considered going with Kenta Maeda earlier or Matt Boyd, maybe, maybe my only concern with Boyd is, and again, like, I don't want to put too much emphasis on um, schedule, but the Tigers are going to be bad. And the AL Central isn't actually that bad of a hitting division. You know, like you have the Royals, obviously, who aren't going to be good, but the White Sox are going to have a much improved lineup. They're going to be good. The Twins are going to be an absolute stud of a lineup, right? And then the Indians, like, yeah, they're not, um, they're not deep, certainly, but their top four, you know, in that lineup, top four, top five, can really compete with any in, in baseball. And so I don't see it being like, um, you know, I think that's what's key for people to think about is, is as opposed to thinking about like broad divisions, like the AL Central is bad. It's like, well, the AL Central is, 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 is not very good, but it also depends on which team your player is playing on, right? And so for that reason, like, I don't think the wins are going to be great for Boyd. I think he's a very good pitcher. I liked him a lot heading into the year, but I'm just a little bit concerned that the schedule is, is exactly kind of what he doesn't need um, with a bunch of very powerful lineups um, in that division that he's going to have to face on a, on a regular basis. So um, yeah, so I didn't go there. So I'm a little concerned about starting pitching as well, but I think it's just interesting because I think there are different approaches, right? There's kind of like, you go with your aces and you hope that the, that sets enough of a foundation for you to maybe, you know, backfill it with some good enough guys, but not great guys. And then there's kind of the more volume approach, I think, which again, like either, either one can work because you have more chances to hit than I do. And I'm more likely to hit on the guys that I'm going with. So I just think it's an interesting thing from like a roster construction standpoint to think about which, which one do you go 
deep with, right? Do you go deep with starting pitching or do you go elite with starting pitching? Do you go deep with your bats, you know, or do you go kind of elite with your um, elite with your hitting? So I do think it's just a good example of how like two different approaches can kind of uh, you can take in the short season. Cause I think people are kind of, you know, I think everybody will end up kind of in the middle of one extreme, but I think there are people who are like, Oh, pitching is super valuable or more valuable now. And then there are people who are like, no, hitting is more valuable now because who knows what's going to happen. So. Before I let you go, um, I want to talk about one more. I want to ask you your thoughts on one more team that was really an interesting build. It's Curlin's team in the first, in the, he had the first pick overall and he passed on all the starting pitching. He didn't take a starting pitcher until around, around six, but he did, he did take two players that I really don't like, which are like hater where he's going in cruise and kind of, I know you're big on cruise, but uh, so you might, you're probably going to like his team more than I did, but I think he did. I think I love his first three rounds and I, and I love how he recovered. Can you maybe talk about how he recovered on the starting pitching in rounds six, six through eight? I think, the, I think he did a good job of recovering from uh, going sort of zero SP. Yeah. So um, Mike's, Mike's draft, just so folks um, know it. So he started out, he had the number one pick. So he went uh, Acuna, uh, Devers fell to him there, and then he went uh, early a little bit on uh, Kettle Marte, um, and then he went Josh Hader as his first pitcher, then he went Nelson Cruz after that, then Brandon Woodruff, Jose Barrios, James Paxton, followed by Tommy Edmond, Salvador Perez, Brandon Workman, Will Smith, and Hunter Dozier. Uh, so I guess my, so yeah, so I think he did a similar thing, like obviously Hader, expecting Hader to maybe get some elite ratios at a higher inning volume for a relief pitcher than maybe other relief pitchers might get get you and then also hoping I think as well that he gets saves I think the most recent thing I've seen from Craig Council is that you know they want to use Hader in multiple innings per outing but they don't want him to work back-to-back days and so the saves is my question around Hader like whether he's going to be able to access that so I think a lot of it just depends on what you think of Brandon Woodruff, Jose Barrios, and James Paxton right those are kind of like the three central starting pitchers because, you know, yeah, you can, and this is a standard league loan league. It's not an overall. So you can, you could punt something like a saves or like um, strikeouts or something, you know, but my question would be again, or like, like an entire got, pitching staff what's that? <laughs> or like the entire pitching staff or the entire <laughs> pitching staff. Right. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean like you um, yeah. So the question would be like, you know, okay, how is he, how does he make up the case? Right. You know, um, Paxton definitely helps in that respect. Barrios with, um, you know, Barrios is not really a high K guy, especially in today's game. You know, he's right around nine, maybe a little bit under that. Woodruff slightly above that um, as well. So I think it really just depends on your perspective on on those guys. And then he, he obviously added Workman and Smith. You know, Smith, to me, like there's no indication he's going to get saves. So you have to think like, okay, well, if Hader doesn't get as many, like if he's working only every two days, that limits his number of saves. And Will Smith isn't going to get access to saves, you know, or else we're assuming that. Like, so, so are we catching up with the saves, even though we have three relief pitchers there, you know? So I think a lot, a lot just depends, but I love the hitters. I mean, Acuna, I like. Devers is a guy I like, and he's also gotten a boost from, you know, I think playing against the ALEs primarily. Uh, Kettle Marte, at least in my, in my uh, evaluations. Um, Kettle Marte I like as well. Nelson Cruz I love. Tommy Edmund I really like, position flexibility. Sal Perez I think is great as well. You know I love Hunter Dozier. So I love the bats. I think there's some question marks in the pitching, but I think it was kind of designed that way. So we'll kind of see how it, how it works out. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it too. And I think another another team that did that was um, Butler, uh, Ray Butler. He went all hitting, and then he went a whole bunch of pitchers. He, I think, I- so Ray started out Story, Starling Marte, Jose Altuve, Charlie Blackman, uh, Jose Abreu, Joey Gallo. Um, then he went Bauer, Jansen, Freed, Price, Hendricks, Boyd, and the McMahon. Um, so I think. Yeah, again, I think he's taking a different approach, right? And I think one of the things that I like to think about, like with my ace approach is, is I think, you know, um, and again, like he's kind of approached it from volume perspective, but I guess the question is like, how confident can you be that guys are going to outperform what they've ever done before, right? And so Bauer has obviously been very good in the past. He's also struggled. So, you know, depending on whether you believe like, that he is a 2019 and his previous year guy versus a 2018 guy or a combination of the two that depends. But like, uh, you know, for like Freed, Price, Hendricks, Boyd, like they're all, um, they're all uh, very good pitchers. Like I like actually every single one of those picks as it is. But the question is, do you have like somebody who's going to be able to anchor those ratios low enough? And I think with Ray's approach, He's obviously gone with volume, right? So if one or one of those guys has a huge year, then he's in good shape. Um, so that's gonna that would be like my only thing with Ray. I'd probably take more of Ray's approach than I would Mike's, like just from like a um, building the pitching staff out perspective. If you're gonna punt pitching, but again, like the question is like, okay, so you invested all of this up front in hitting, and so now the question becomes like, um, you know do you have enough depth in your hitting? And that's what you're going to have to build and kind of put together um, in addition to kind of getting that second closer. So I think, again, like everybody, every team leaves a draft with a weakness unless you somehow get lucky, I think. And so the question is just how confident do you feel in the way that you've built your squad to, um, to kind of help uh, improve that weakness or, you know, like how you attack that weakness in the way that you construct your roster later on which again, we don't have necessarily answers to any of those. So I think some people would like critique the way that I built my team because yeah, it's heavy on starting pitching early. So I miss out on some elite bats, more relying on some like mediocre bats. Um, And then I also don't have depth in starting pitching yet. So everybody has those weaknesses and it's just going to be interesting to see. That's why we love this game and we play it out and we see what ends up happening. Exactly. Well, on that note, I think I'll let you go. My, um, I, I think I'm, I'm getting summoned here. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, thank you very much. Yeah, Lucy. Mom, that, that yeah, was, okay. I'm putting on my shoes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going outside. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm going to go yep. gonna be, be, a, be a, a better father than just uh, ignoring my son uh, uh, talking to you. But no. Um, oh man. Um, he's, he just, he just digested so much fantasy baseball information. Though. Oh, he's going to be a, he's going to be a pro now because of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> thanks um, a lot, Zach, for having me on. I really hey, appreciate no it. So uh, again, Toby, thanks. Batflip crazy oh, on Twitter. Yeah, podcast is amazing. And you got your YouTube channel, but thanks again for taking the time to talk to me and um, I'm heading outside. So um, have a good night, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> bye. Say bye. Bye. Bye.